Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 62 of the Box Hard Podcast, also known as the Christmas Special for 2016. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, my friend. Very good. Now, of course, we are in the studio together. We're sitting across from each other, myself and Ayaz. Ayaz has decided to make the uh, the studio feel very Christmassy because this is the Christmas special. He's brought in some Santa outfits. Uh, we've got them on at the moment. He's brought in a uh, Santa hat, which he's wearing, and it fits pretty snug on top of his headphones. But me, I've got the uh, the reindeer antlers, which uh, if there's any uh, disturbance during, during the one I'm speaking, it is simply because the antlers keep falling down over my microphone. So we're going to try to uh, get through this podcast. It is going to be a little bit different from normal because we've got to give you that little Christmas spirit, that little Christmas feel. It's going to be a bit special. It's going to be a bit mixed up. We're not going to stick to the plan. We're not going to do things the right way, the way we usually do. And we're going to jumble it up a little bit. So part one is going to consist of the review where we review the fights from last week. If you've listened before, you know what I mean when I say review part. Uh, then we're going to bring in guests number one then we're going to bring in guest number two then we're going to dive into part two where we're going to talk about the preview because believe it or not there are still some fights to come only a couple of them but there are still some fights to come before the year is out um when i say that i literally mean like the 27th 28th of december there's a couple of fights we will have another show um i believe just before the year ends so this is not the last show of the year uh, that's going to have a theme to it as well that next show coming next week so um yeah so there's a little bit to preview then we're going to talk about the news in part two as well so uh stay tuned throughout the whole show stay with myself and i as in our christmas outfits um he's also brought some mulled wine as well so uh, we're going to get through that uh, in due time. So we're going to start with the review part of the show. We're going to start with a card over in Australia. There's one fight to mention over here. It's a man who was on our show last week. It's our good friend, Billy Dibb. Now, Billy Dibb was in a 10-rounder it was scheduled before. It was actually a lightweight, believe it or not. Uh, he was in there against Emilio Norfat. Now, Emilio Norfat, um, I don't know how much notice he had, but he came into this fight and he got TKO'd in the first round. I spoke to Billy Dibb very briefly afterwards and he, uh, he sent me a video of his fight on WhatsApp and he was disgraced at the ref. The referee seemed to jump in way too early and uh, he wasn't very happy with the outcome. Neither was his opponent. So Billy Dibb nonetheless 42-4 and four, his record now and he gets a first round TKO victory on his record. So uh, good stuff at the end of the day. You know, on paper, that's that's a good win there. First round stoppage. Uh, that's it for Australia. We're now going to go over to Canada. Now these fights are taking place on the Friday. Uh, this is, of course, last Friday, which would have been Friday the 16th of December. So um, over in Canada, in Quebec, uh, Jean Pascal, he got out and he picked up a TKO in round three over Ricardo Marcelo Romalo. So uh, Jean Pascal now 31-4 and four with the one draw. Uh, that's it for Canada. We're now going to go over to the Fantasy Springs Casino 
over in California, uh, USA, of course. Now, there was a fight on this card that I watched on Box Nation. It was uh, Vacheslav Shabransky, 17-0, taking on Sullivan Barrera, 17-1. That one loss coming to the masterful Andre Ward. Now, Shabransky was the favorite here. It was for the vacant WBC United States light heavyweight title. Shabransky was down in the first round, so a terrible start for him. He was also down in the fifth round. Sullivan Barrera was also down. I can't remember what round it was. I think it might have been round two or round three. They were both down early is what I'm saying. Uh, Shabransky was cut above the right eye from a punch. It was very um, it was very much a, a pretty businessman-like performance from Sullivan Barrera. He actually impressed me, to be honest here. Uh, Shabransky, as I said, he was in there to win the fight. And basically, he just got outmanned a little bit. I don't think it was so much experience. I think it was just the strength of Barrera seemed to take him by surprise. So um, in the end, he was KO'd in round seven. It was a real good finishing punch from Sullivan Barrera. So Shabransky now 17-1, and one, and Barrera... He was 17 and one. He's now 18 and one. So great stuff for him. Uh, also on that card, Eddie Gomez was upset against Rashidi Ellis. Rashidi Ellis now 17 and 0. Gomez was down twice in the first round, and he was KO'd in that round. That one was for the IBF North American welterweight title. But that's really it for. United States on the Friday. We're now going to go over to Saturday. This one took place over in Finland in Helsinki at the Heart War Arena. Uh, one fight to mention on this card, to be honest. Robert Hellanius, he picked up a TKO in round one over Gonzalo Omar Basili. Now, Omar Basili, he is the man with the most padded record in the whole world. He's got 68 wins. Anytime he steps up, he gets KO'd pretty early as well. He's been knocked out in the first round a few times, and this was no different. So Robert Hellanius now 24-1, and one, and he shuts out the year on a high. That's it for Finland. We're now going to go over to France. One fight to mention over here, Christopher Rebras. He picked up a unanimous decision over eight rounds against Carlos Esteban. So he's now 25 wins, five losses, and three draws. Uh, that's it for France. We're now going to go over to India. Um, Vijender Singh. He moved to 8-0. He picked up a TKO in round three. His opponent, Francis Checker, who had a decent record, 32 wins, nine losses and two draws, he actually spat his mouthpiece out and turned his back on the referee in the fight and started walking towards his corner. Um, it indicated that he didn't want any more. He basically quit and the referee waved it off. So good win there for Vijender Singh, 8-0 now. A perfect record for him. He is a superstar over in India. Um, going over to Mexico now, Carlos Molina. We've had him on the show before, the former world champion. He picked up his 28th professional win with a unanimous decision over eight rounds at welterweight against Diego Cruz, who had a record of 17-3. and three. So Carlos Molina now 28-6 and two uh, that's it for mexico we're now going to go over to reunion over in uh, St. Denis. One fight, or two fights to mention on this bill, to be honest. Michael Sorrow, he moved to 29 wins. He picked up a KO in round 10 over Nuhu Lawal. That was the guy who gave uh, Martin Murray life and death on the Monte Carlo show. So a good win there for Michael Sorrow to get um, Nuhu Lawal out of there. And Sorrow successfully retained his WBA International Super Welterweight title. Uh, also on this bill, Alfonso Blanco, who had a record of 12-0 
He was fighting for the interim WBA world middleweight title. In the other corner was Hassan and Dam, another man that's been on our show, a real, real nice guy. Um, he was very much up for this fight, and he stopped his man in the first round. So I'm very, very happy for Hassan and Dam. He stopped him in the first round, and it was a really horrible knockout. Some people are saying knockout of the year. Um, it's definitely in there with a shout. He hit him with a right hand, and his body, well, he basically slammed his face straight on the floor at such a high speed that he bounced and hit his face again on the floor. And then his whole body started shaking um, uncontrollably. And, you know, that's that's when your brain's at a real shake. We've seen Deontay Wilder do that to one or two people. We don't really like to see that stuff, but it was a devastating knockout. So I am pleased for Hassan and Dam. And that's his 35th win now. So he's 35 and two. And he's the new interim WBA world middleweight champion. So will he be getting a shot at... Uh, Gennady Golovkin in the, in the near future I suppose he's definitely in there with a shout I know he was he's wanted that fight for a long long time but all the best to Hassan and Dam that's it for the reunion we're now going over to Russia top of the bill over here Alexander Povetkin 30 and 1 he was supposed to be taking on Bermain Stavern but he failed a drug test a few hours before the uh, the first bell was scheduled for you know before the fight and Bermain Stavern and his team decided, look, you know, we're not having this fight anymore. The WBC uh, heavyweight interim title was supposed to be on the line, but when they learned that Povetkin had fouled a drug test, they decided to withdraw their belt from being on the line. So Bermain Stavern wasn't interested anymore, and they pulled in um, victim of Deontay Wilder, Johan Duapas, who, you know, He's not a great fighter, you know, but they pulled him in with a few hours' notice, and he actually took Povetkin six rounds before being knocked out, and it was a really, really brutal knockout as well. I've seen a few replays of that, but really unfair circumstances there, so I feel very sorry for Duapas. I mean, nobody forced him to take the fight, I suppose. His record's now 34-4. and Povetkin, you know, I don't like to point the finger at anyone, call him a cheat in this game, but... Very unusual circumstances there, and I don't know why he's not been banned. That really does need to, you know, get to the bottom of because something's not right about his whole persona. So uh, Alexander Povetkin now thirty-one and one. That's it for Russia. We're now going over to the Forum, Inglewood, California, USA. This one was a real um, a big shock. We're going to start with the undercard. Uh, Joseph Diaz. He moved to twenty-three and zero with a good win over Horatio Garcia, who had a record of thirty and one with one draw. It was a ten-rounder. Uh, this one was for Joseph Diaz NABF featherweight title, so he successfully retained that. Now, I've got to say, Joseph Diaz, the thing that impresses me most about him is there's a load of guys in all different weights, young prospects, seasoned pros, that find it very, very hard to throw the jab and fight on the back foot, box off the back foot. That's one thing. A lot of people struggle to do that. A lot of people can't do that. Simple as that. But I tell you what, the thing about Joseph Diaz is he can actually fight on the back foot. And I don't mean that like, you know, he can pop out the jab and throw a couple of, of uh, right hands. No, I actually mean the man can, can properly fight on the back foot. He can, he, he can, he can throw. He, I saw him throw a, 
beautiful, beautiful overhand right while going backwards. And that is very hard to do. And he seemed to pop the head back of his opponent very, um, very well. He, he can just throw a variety of shots. He's brilliant. He digs into the body. He touches upstairs, throws one to the body when you're not expecting it. He does it in reverse. He is a really, really well-rounded fighter. He does the basics tremendously well. We've been saying it for a long time, to be honest. We've been bigging up Joseph Diaz Jr. for a long, long time now. Uh, you know, the kid is the real deal. And again, another showcase performance from him. I don't think he lost the round. It was a complete shutout. Uh, great uniform he had on as well. Great boxing kit with the shorts and, and the shoes. He was absolutely brilliant. And another really impressive performance from him. He is supposed to be getting into a fight with Josh Warrington, who's just recently this week signed with Frank Warren. So uh, Josh Warrington and... And um, I've just realized how Josh Warrington and Frank Warren's name seem so similar. But yeah, Josh Warrington against uh, Joseph Diaz Jr. And the winner supposedly fighting Gary Russell Jr. So that is some serious, serious talent mix there. And that will be exciting. So a good win for Joseph Diaz. Also on this bill, Jason Quigley. We had him on our show two weeks ago. He knocked out his opponent in the first round. Remember, his opponent, Jorge Melendez, had a record of 30 wins, seven losses, um, one draw. But of those 30 wins, he had 28 knockouts. Jason Quigley stopped him in the first round. He was down three times as well. He was getting absolutely battered. And Jason Quigley now 12-0, and I'm very, very happy for him. Another really nice fella. He closes out his year on a high, and I wish him nothing but the best. Also on the bill, Alexander Usyk. He put his WBO World Cruiserweight title on the line against... Um, I'm not I'm not sure how you say his name. I think it's for Biso Machunu, something like that. But you know what I'm saying. Machunu, a good sound. South African fighter. And uh, Usyk was able to... I mean, a lot of people had it pretty close in, you know, until like round six. That's what the general consensus is. I actually thought that Usyk... Maybe the first couple rounds, it took him a little while to, to warm into it, but I think he was brilliant. You know, Usyk, whenever he gets to demonstrate his skills, he's just second to none. He's a phenomenal fighter to watch. He does all the basics well. You know, he steps in, steps out. He's brilliant. He really is. He does the whole thing properly. He's a great, great fighter, Usyk. Uh, he picked up a KO at the end of the day in round nine. Uh, his opponent, Machuna, was down in round six and twice in that ninth round. So, you know, he was going to inevitably lose on the scorecards. But it's a good win there, good stoppage for U6. So he's now 11-0, and 0, and he gets his first defense of his WBO World Cruiserweight title win before the year is up. So great stuff for him. And now the shock of the card. I've got to be completely honest, uh, just a few moments before the fight was happening i i spoke to eddie chambers on whatsapp and i just said to him are you gonna watch this fight and he said no i won't be watching it and i said i've got a sneaky feeling that joe smith jr is gonna pull this off and um bernard hopkins got in there he was 51 years old he's almost 52 he'll be 52 in january um next month and bernard hopkins started the fight i think it cut, took him a couple of rounds really the first couple of rounds i think maybe he had a good second round a good third round but the first round he he seemed pretty old in there to be honest as the fight progressed he, he was having little spells it was weird because 
I think there were there was quite a few close rounds. Bernard Hopkins, he's very, very crafty. You know, he, he likes to, to do a lot of holding, which is a bit frustrating to watch, but he's very crafty. He knows how to nick a round. He knows to put in a, a few little bursts of his own uh, just in the second half of the round, which makes a lot of people, uh, you know, score him that round. It's very eye-catching. He's a very experienced old guy. But Joe Smith Jr., I was worried that he might, perhaps respect Bernard Hopkins a little bit too much here. And he did outside of the ring. He definitely did. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But in the ring, he didn't respect him um, as much as I thought he may have, which could have been his downfall. He landed some great shots on Bernard Hopkins. I think Bernard Hopkins as well. He was throwing his right hand. He's, he's got quick hands, Bernard Hopkins, for a man of his age, 51. And he was he was tagging Joe Smith Jr. quite a lot. He, he obviously opened up a cut as well. Uh, I think that was in round two. It was very early for Joe Smith Jr. So that was worrying signs. But um, ultimately... Hopkins was unable to continue after getting knocked out of the ring. And it was by a legal punch. Straight away, I thought it was by a legal punch. And then when I saw the replay, you know, he claimed that he was pushed. Basically, he was on the ropes. Joe Smith landed a flurry of punches. I think it might have been a right hand that hurt him initially. But he took a few. He took like a real um, good left hook on the temple, right on the temple, right on the spot that would send your, you know, your balance a bit, a bit shaky. And I think that Joe Smith Jr., his shot selection was very good in that little spell there. And he was able to hit someone as crafty as Bernard Hopkins, very, you know, in, in very good spots. And he didn't block any of them. He landed about six or, or maybe six or seven unanswered punches. And the last punch completely threw him through the ropes. So he fell out of the ring. Uh, there was a cameraman who he basically could have fell on his lap, but he moved straight back and it made a clear path for Bernard Hopkins to completely fall. You know, he fell backwards, obviously, with the punch momentum, but he basically bashed his head on the floor and he he uh, he was down for quite a while. Now, in the rules of boxing, if you're outside the ring for 20 seconds, it's, it's 10 seconds inside the ring if you've been knocked down by a legal punch, but it's 20 seconds if you get knocked out of the ring. So... I don't know if he knew that or what, but he got up eventually. And this was probably after about, I want to say maybe about a minute. So no one knew what was going on. So Joe Smith Jr. is walking around the ring. He doesn't realize if he's won yet or if he's going to be standing in the, uh, you know, the, the opposite corner ready to carry on. No one knew what was going on. It was very unclear. And all the officials and somewhat were all going over there. To, to basically talk and no one quite knew what was going to happen. Jack Reese, very experienced referee. Uh, I was worried that he might, you know, slip up here, you know, in, in a big fight like this, it was going to be Hopkins last fight. And he got up to his feet and then he started claiming an injury saying that, um, firstly, he started saying he was pushed. So they had to throw up a replay in slow motion and he was completely not pushed at all. The only thing that pushed him was a punch in the face. Um, you know, that was it. It was some good shots, as I said, that were landed. Uh, he got up and he tried to say that he had somehow twisted his ankle. Um, they said, can you walk on it? And he said, and Bernard was saying, yeah, I can walk, but I can't box on it. So when he said that, then they decided, right, that's it. He's not going to be continuing. It seemed like Jack Reese didn't really make the decision. It seemed like the the officials and the commissioners and what were, were kind of making the decisions, but it was really unusual circumstances. And, um, he got up to his feet and basically that was it. They, they, you know, it went down as a KO in run eight for Joe Smith Jr. So Joe Smith Jr. is in the ring sort of celebrating. And then Bernard Hopkins limps back 
you know, backstage to his dressing room. And when they showed you the replay of him falling out of the ring, he absolutely did not bang his ankle or anything. His ankle didn't touch anything. So a lot of people were laughing at this on social media and, and, and whatever. But, you know, it was, it was a little bit embarrassing because he's a legend. He's definitely going to be in the Hall of Fame. No doubt about it. He's the oldest world champion ever. You know, I think he won the title when he was 48. He's an absolute credit to the sport. You know, he, he, he can't be any prouder. But... It was just a bit of a shame to see him hobble off on a fake injury as the last fight that that he has professionally. So even after the fight, I thought that there's a chance he might say, do you know what, I will give it one more shot. I, I'm not happy with that. But he didn't. He said, no, I made a promise. I'm, st- You know, that's my last fight. So it's, I don't know, it's... it's uh, maybe he's going to be his last fight. Hopefully he is. He looked very old in there. Uh, if it is his last fight, then his record will finish with 55 wins. Um, of course, his last two fights, he would have lost. Uh, so 55 wins, eight losses and two draws. But yeah, it was a crazy way to go out. Um, firstly, I the first thing I want to, I want to bring up to you is that, Joe Smith Jr., we should talk about the year he's had. I know that he, you know, he's not going to win Fighter of the Year, but he's definitely um, he's definitely had a blast of a year. He definitely is, you know, a an honourable mention. He definitely gets an honourable mention. If he's not at the Fighter of the Year awards, then it's from us on this week's show. Just tell us about the year he's had, Ayaz, the two amazing fights, the two amazing results that he's had this year. Both fights he was huge underdog in. He's had a he's had a um he's had a, he's had a great time in boxing because first of all he he knocked out Bonfara and then he what he does he goes and he fights Bernard Hopkins a ring legend and knocked him out of the ring and beats him by a knockout. Yeah, two knockouts in this one year, so he definitely gets an honourable mention. Maybe not fighter of the year, but two fights where he was a absolute huge underdog. He never had a chance in either of those fights, and he's knocked them both out. So. Um, you know, he's he's all of a sudden quite a big name. A lot of the top guys now in in that light heavyweight division have got to start looking at him as a serious threat. You know, he can definitely bang and his power doesn't leave him as the fight goes on. So it'd be interesting to see how he would fare against the likes of Kovalev or Andre Ward or I'll tell you one, I'd like to see him in there. If I'd like to see him in there against Adonis Stevenson, I think that'd be a brilliant, brilliant fight. So uh, all the best to Joe Smith Jr. I think that we shouldn't knock him. I think he did really, really well, but everyone's calling him out now. Everyone wants a piece of him. But that's really it about that fight. You know, that's really it. Bernard Hopkins, you know, he can't hang his head in shame. He's he's had an illustrious career. He's done absolutely incredible things. So uh, we're proud of him here. And if this is to be his final fight, then we wish him all the best in retirement. And uh, that's really it, to be honest, with, with, with the... The, the fights in America for Saturday. There's one fight to mention now before we end part one. And that fight is a fight that happened over in Lancashire County Cricket Club in Old Trafford, Manchester. Just one fight to mention. A man that's been on the show before, Ricky Boylan. He picked up a six-round points win over James Gorman. So Ricky Boylan closes his year on a high and his record 15-3. and three. So all the best to Ricky Boylan. But that's really it for the review. And that is is really all the talking done from last week. That's all the catching up done. There's two things to do before we end part one. We've got to bring in two guests. So guest number one is on the line. Ayaz put him through. Okay, here he is. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man who promotes some of the best boxers in the world. He goes by the name of Tom Loeffler, but after two huge announcements this month, many could mistaken him for Father Christmas. Tom, welcome to the show. 
Thanks, Joe. I really appreciate that uh, introduction. We're just excited to have been able to announce the Triple G fight and, and the, the fight with uh, Vladimir and Anthony Joshua. I mean, that's just taken um, the UK by storm. So we're, we're excited about both events. Yes, absolutely. Me, myself, and, and all of the British public. Um, you enjoyed that introduction. I'm happy about that. It's a pleasure to have you on. As I just mentioned there, two of your fighters uh, have, have announced simply what are called mega fights for 2017. So if we can start with the Gennady Golovkin fight, he's taking on Daniel Jacobs on the 18th of March. Uh, take it away from there, Tom, please. Uh, how did this all come about? Well, it was uh, ordered by the WBA as a mandatory fight. Uh, Jacobs... Uh, is a mandatory uh, contender for the WBA. You know, it took a while to put it together, uh, but I was able to work it out with Al Heyman, and, and uh, uh, you know, the result is uh, the top two guys in the division fighting each other at Madison Square Garden. It's uh, We're really excited about that, and the, the fans in New York are excited to have Gennady come back. I mean, he had a, you know, great reception over there in the U.K. when he fought at the O2 against uh, Kel Brook, and uh, now we just uh, wanted to build on that on that fight. Out of the other champions in that division, as you said, it was a mandatory. Uh, when I say the other champions, I'm mainly talking about Billy Joe Saunders. Who do you see as the biggest threat to GGG? And, and I'm not I'm not trying to get you to envision anyone troubling him because he seems to be in a league of his own. But um, would you say Jacobs puts up, you know, the biggest threat to his crown in that division? I would say so. Uh, Jacobs is coming off at 12 knockouts in a row. He's a big uh, puncher, um, has almost a you know very similar knockout ratio to uh, to Gennady. So I would say as far as a threat is concerned, uh, Jacobs uh, definitely is up there. Um, you know, Billy Joe Saunders, you know, when he's right, when he's, uh, you know, on the top of his game, he's a, he's a masterful boxer. Um, so you can't take anything away from him. And uh, then you have Canelo uh, as well. You know, that's the fight that, you know, it captures a lot of people's imagination if uh, Canelo moves up to 160. Uh, I've been in talks with Golden Boy. They, they, they're they interested in the fight, maybe doing it in September. But, um, you know, he's got to get a win over Danny Jacobs first before we can talk about other, other fights in his division. But just to confirm that the, the dream fight for GGG above all, all, all else would be the Canelo fight, yeah? Yeah, that, that seems to have really captured people's attention. Uh, Canelo sold 50,000 tickets when he fought um, against Liam Smith in, in Dallas, and, and Gennady has uh, sold out his last three arenas that he's fought at in New York, in L.A., and in London. So when you got two fighters with that those uh, type of big uh, fan bases and you get them fighting each other, it just makes it for a massive, uh, a massive promotion. Yes, absolutely. Now, I want to ask you this question, one that the UK fans will probably be annoyed if I didn't ask it, but there was a lot of talks, remember, for the original uh, September 10th fight with, with Eubank Jr. Now he's decided to go on his own path. He's fighting on pay-per-view against Reynold Quinlan. Have you got any opinion on that? What, what actually happened? Why did that fight not take place? There were so many different rumors over this side of the war. I'll tell you, I, I thought we had the fight done. Everything that uh, Eddie Hearn was telling me was that, uh, you know, everything was pretty much agreed to. They were just working out the fine points uh, the last week. And then, um, you know, Eddie called me and said uh, he doesn't think he'll be able to, to finalize it. So I think, uh, you know, I wasn't privy to all the details, although Eddie did share it with me as far as uh, just small things uh, getting in the way, um, you know, with uh, the Eubank side being too involved on the promotional side and, and uh, things of that nature. But uh, again, that was uh, really between uh, 
Eddie and uh, and Eubanks. But the bottom line is, if if uh, if uh, Eubanks wouldn't wouldn't sign the contract, then we had to move forward. We gave them a, a number of deadlines, and um, you know that that fight unfortunately didn't happen. Unfortunately, the Billy Joe Saunders fight didn't happen either. So that's when we went in the direction of Cal Brook, and I still have to to this day, you know, just have a lot of respect for Cal Brook. He showed a lot more heart than a lot of the middleweight, uh, the top middleweights by uh, moving up two divisions to fight, face the biggest puncher in, in the sport of boxing. And, and we really give him uh, just a lot of respect for, uh, for his heart of what he was, what he was willing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Me too, for sure. And the last question on GGG, um, is he the, simply the most avoided fighter in, in world boxing? Well, with 23 knockouts in a row, there's a pretty good chance whoever gets in the ring with him isn't isn't going to go 12 full rounds, and that's what makes my job hard. Is you know, if someone thinks they might lose a decision, or you know, have a close close fight, controversial decision, whatever it is, uh, that's one thing. If they think they have a chance of winning, but it seems like with the people that I negotiate with, uh, I mean, we're able to get the, the the fight done with uh, with Danny Jacobs. That worked out okay, but um, you know, some of the other negotiations I've been involved with, it's just uh, people are negotiating like. <laughs> <laughs> the fighter's going to not be able to fight past the Golovkin fight. So it's really, when you say most avoided, I would have to definitely agree with that uh, with that title because it's just been, you know, I, when I, in the past, when, uh, you know, working with fighters, it's always been the goal of the fighters I've been working with is to challenge the best in the division, challenge for the title, is just to get the title opportunity. When Gennady was coming up, all he wanted to do was fight Felix Storm and Sergio Martinez and proved that he was the best fighter in the middleweight division. And now we're basically laying his titles out like on a silver platter and, and uh, to get people to get in the ring with them, they want retirement money. And it just, uh, it's really bizarre, but um, you know, he's changed the economics of the middleweight division and, and hopefully uh, uh, if he's successful against uh, Jacobs and if we can make the Canelo fight, then hopefully he gets a shot at the, the WBO title at, uh, at some point in the near future. Really, really exciting stuff for 2017. So the other big one is Vladimir Klitschko versus Anthony Joshua, April 29th. As you know yourself, over here, Anthony Joshua is almost like a god to some of the UK fans. Uh, he's a young lion. Vladimir is the crafty veteran in this fight. Obviously, you know, in, in, in Klitschko's last fight, he took on Tyson Fury. He didn't seem the Vladimir Klitschko of old. It seemed like he kind of, I don't want to say got old overnight. To me, looking, looking from my point of view, it, it kind of seemed like, Tyson Fury turned up very uh, unpredictable. I think it was more Tyson Fury why Vladimir didn't perform to what we've seen him do. And seeing just the press conference alone the other day at Wembley Stadium, I could see something in Vladimir that I didn't see throughout all the build-up of the Fury fight. He seems hungrier than, to be honest, past his past that last fight. He seems hungrier than he has done for the last couple of years. Um, do you agree with what I'm saying there? He, he seems to have something that he didn't have for the Fury fight. I agree 100%, Joey. Um, you know, ever since he lost his titles to Tyson, um, you know, he's been driven to, uh, to to get his titles back and to still show that he's the best in the heavyweight division. And the only way that's going to happen is to fight the best. And we have a lot of respect for Anthony Joshua. I was at the fight. Uh, Eddie invited me at the fight when uh, when uh, AJ fought Gillian um, White. And so I was there. I, I know the type of uh, reception he gets in the UK and, and the popularity he has amongst the fans. And when you put him in against uh, uh, a legend like uh, Vladimir, who's had uh, just a historic run, you know, the interesting thing 
about boxing is Vladimir was champion for over 10 years. And if you have one off night, whether it's physically or mentally or whatever the case is, you know, you can lose all your titles. Like what happened with, uh, with Tyson Fury. I mean, there's no, you know, not, not to take anything away from Tyson Fury because he clearly won that fight, but, uh, it, that wasn't really the, the Vladimir that we're used to, to seeing in the ring. And I think, um, you know, what, what you described as far as looking into his eyes at the recent press conference, that's, um, the same experience I've had when I've uh, seen him recently is just that he's so driven and motivated to get his titles back that he still, with all of his experience, even at at age 40, that he's still the best. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a great, uh, a great matchup. What can you say about uh, the two fighters careers, you know, both Olympic champions, um, Joshua undefeated with all of his knockouts, Vladimir having an extremely high knockout uh, percentage, and when you have those two type of forces colliding, um, you see the, the, the fans' response. So it's been, uh, what, 50,000 tickets sold in, you know, the, the first couple of days uh, the, of the release uh, for the ticketing. So it's, uh, it's a tremendous event, and um, not just in the U.K., but worldwide. You know, when you have a heavyweight championship like that, that really uh, registers <clears throat> on the scale of boxing as far as international interest. And, uh, you know, the excitement over here, in the States is, uh, is really built up as well, just to see a, a, a great heavyweight championship fight. I've seen a lot of people talking online. There's a lot of fans that are out there actually saying, you know, Joshua's too too young and strong, and Vladimir Klitschko, he's, he's old now, he's finished now, just because of that one bad night in Germany, um, which obviously is, you know, that's, that's not the case. I, I truly believe he's not done at all. Um, Eddie Hearn was, you know, he went out to the media and said stuff that the reason why it couldn't be made for um, November, sorry, for December was the fact that the WBA belt wasn't on the line. They couldn't get that on the line in time. And that was a belt that Vladimir really, really needed to be on the line for that fight to take place. What is so special about a WBA belt that Vladimir, you know, almost didn't want the fight if it wasn't on the line? Well, it just takes it to a whole different level when you can have, you know, a heavyweight championship fight with multiple titles on the line. Uh, that's really what, what Vladimir uh, wants to accomplish is to just kind of collect all of his belts back that he lost to, to Tyson Fury. And this is a huge step in the right direction, obviously. I mean, I really think it's the most dangerous fight that either fighter can take. I mean, you got to give Vladimir a lot of respect at age 40, willing to go in and fight someone who who's young and strong and, and has knocked out everyone that he's faced. And at the same time, you know, you got to give Anthony Joshua a lot of credit and Eddie Hearn, you know, for putting him in where a lot of people are saying, well, he's got, uh, you know, 17 fights or, or, uh, you know, whatever the number is. And maybe it's a little bit too early to put him in and to put him in against someone of Vladimir's uh, competition or, or experience, I should say, and, and punching power. I mean, uh, it's really, uh, truly the, the, the most dangerous fight either man, uh, could take and and we gotta give both of them uh, a lot of credit. But these are the type of promotions and the, the the type of boxing matchups that fans respond to and the media responds to and they, and you know they 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 understand the uh, the danger for both fighters and uh, and that's what really makes it a a special type of promotion. Yeah, for sure. And both men should be given credit and and yourself and Eddie Hearn as well for for getting this fight uh, finally on. Now, two last questions I've got for you. Uh, Tom, the I need to get your reaction to the Hopkins fight. I know that you was sitting there ringside. What did you make of that? It was a strange way to to end an illustrious career. 
It really was. Uh, Bernard's had such a historic run. I mean, you know, we're talking about Vladimir fighting at 40. I mean, Hopkins fighting at 51, almost at 52. I think his birthday is next next month in that's January. Right, yeah. I mean, uh, that's just uh, someone to stay as focused and dedicated and and in shape uh, as as Hopkins has. It was really bizarre um, just watching it end that way. Uh, also from a danger factor, you know, him, him falling through the ropes and falling all the way down onto the, onto the floor head first was, uh, was really, uh, a scary sight. Um, but it was a, it was a great event. It was a great tribute. You know, we had, uh, Alexander Usyk on that show, another Olympic, uh, champion. He actually won the gold medal in, in the London Olympics, uh, representing Ukraine in the cruiserweight division. And, and he was the WBO, uh, cruiserweight champion. So we have a lot of, uh, hopes and expectations for uh, Usyk to become the next uh, star in boxing. But, you know, it was great being at that event. It was in Los Angeles at the Forum. I was there with Triple G. I was there with Vitaly Klitschko, who's the mayor of Kiev now. And so whenever you're together with uh, guys like that, it just really uh, makes it for a special night and, you know, a, a tribute to uh, the career of uh, Bernard that uh, people like that would come out to uh, to watch this fight. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, Tom, uh, both Klitschko and Triple G are knockout artists. We're not going to mince our words about that. They simply are. So tell me, Tom, if you if you can, do both of those fights, Klitschko and Joshua and Golovkin and Jacobs, do both of those fights end in knockouts for your men? I really think so. Uh, when you have two big punchers like uh, Vladimir and, and Anthony Joshua, uh, that one's going to be hard-pressed to go 12 rounds. Um, you know, with uh, with Gennady and uh, Danny Jacobs having 35 knockouts in a row, I think that's some type of record that uh, I would imagine at least 20. Uh, Gennady has 23 knockouts in a row. Danny Jacobs has 12 knockouts in a row. So when you have two guys like that with 35 combined knockouts in their last uh, their last fights, um, that one I'd be willing to bet that one doesn't go to distance, and uh, most likely, unless it's a tactical fight. Because both Vladimir and and uh, and Joshua both have uh, extremely uh, high amateur experience, so unless it's a tactical fight, a strategic chess match, I, I see that one with their punching power. I see that after you know four or five rounds, someone's going to land a big punch, and and I really think that one is uh, whoever lands the first big punch uh, or first big combination probably is going to win by knockout in that fight. Yeah, I have to agree with you, Tom. Okay, listen, Tom, it's been a pleasure having you on our show this week. Please keep bringing us these big fights. I appreciate you giving us a piece of your time, and we'll no doubt speak again soon. Thank you, Joey. We're looking forward to a lot of the UK fans coming over for St. Patrick's Day weekend, uh, March 18th at uh, Madison Square Garden. There's nothing better than a, a fight like that, and, and uh, look forward to coming back to the UK as well. So I appreciate, appreciate you having me on. Tom Loeffler there with two fights that he's presented us in the month of December, two fights that are simply mega fights. They don't really need to be sold. You've got Gennady Golovkin and Daniel Jacobs, and you've got Vladimir Klitschko and Anthony Joshua, just two fights I absolutely cannot wait to see. Of course, before we end part one, as I said, we've got two guests in part one. So the second guest is ready right now. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the new interim WBA world middleweight champion, Hassan and Dam. Hassan, welcome back on the show, my brother. Yeah, how are you, brother? Yes, I'm good, my friend. I'm good. I suppose that you're good as well after a fantastic win on the weekend. Yeah, I'm very good. I know I'm very happy enjoying my new girl. So I'm very happy. 
Excellent stuff. So as I just mentioned there, you're the new WBA interim world champion. You beat a previously unbeaten fighter in Alfonso Blanco. Uh, you knocked him out in 21 seconds of the first round. Um, this interview is going to last a lot longer than your fight because it only lasted 21 seconds. There's not really too much to say about it, to be honest, Hassan. Why did you beat him in such quick, such quick time? That wasn't very nice. <laughs> You know, uh, you know, I I, I work very hard for two two months with Pedro Diaz, and we we working for for that mistake. You know, you working for that mistake for your left hand every time. I try to work for many many mistakes that I don't need to. So uh, that that coming that coming very fast. I don't I don't expect that, but that coming very fast for the first round for the first punching, but. Is a thing we 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 try to 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 do for the training. We try to do it and make it happen in fight. Yeah, absolutely, and it and it did happen. As I say, twenty one seconds. It's incredible. A lot of people are saying that you know you're a contender for knockout of the year. Um, do you think that that you had the best knockout in boxing this year? I think uh, maybe I'm I'm in the best. I am the best. And I am best, uh, the best knockout in the year, uh, this year, and I, I mark my 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 uh, the, the the history of boxing. You know, I like this sport, and 21 seconds for one knockout is the history. So I'm very happy to to do the history for for my boxing, for my sport, because it's the I love this, I love that that sport. But you know. Uh, they have many, many other big knockouts will happen this this year, like uh, Canelo, American. You know, we have uh, many, many things we happen this year. So I, I don't, I, I cannot tell that my my knockout is the best of the year, but I like it. But I think I was being the contender for this year, so I'm I'm very happy for that. Yeah, you definitely are a contender this year. So you knocked him out. You hit him so hard that he bounced off the floor. Uh, when he was on the floor, his body was shaking. You're not really known as a one-punch knockout artist. Do you feel stronger all of a sudden? Like, Are you able to land those types of shots on guys now? Or did it just, you know, is it, is it because you're stronger, you, you just landed a brilliant punch? Or is it because it just landed in the perfect position? I think uh, you know I like I told you before I I try I try to be the best I try to 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 work my mistake I try to to work my best for this boxing so I learn every day and you know I learned how to put the punches I had because before I was the technical boxer I I moved too much right now. Uh, with Pedro Diaz, we 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 learning to stop and to put your feet down and purchase. So that's a new things I can do right now. You know, I don't change my boxing, but I have m many new things will have will enter in my in my box. So that that will be the new Asan Asan and Dam right now. Many opening we're gonna come gonna gonna test the new Asan and Dam. So they be, they will be they will be careful right now for me. Yeah, I'm sure they will. That is exciting stuff. Now, you've had a busy year, Hassan. Obviously, you know, you tried to give the Olympics a run in Rio. Uh, you've also had four professional fights. Um, 
I didn't have a clue because last time we spoke, I didn't realize that you were going to try and go at the Olympics. What made you want to do that, by the way? You know, uh, go to Olympics is, is my, was my goal. You know, it's only for me because when the Cameroon called me to do the Olympic Games, I can say I, I can say no because I'm professional. I can say no, but but at that time I don't have nothing to do. You know, so I'm a I am a boxer. I love all all things. I I love all the all the competition. So. If I don't have no competition, I can I can I can go to training. I can have no motivation to go to training. So I say I have some motivation right now to go to Olympic, so to go to training. So I want to go there. So I pass for the elimination elimination in Venezuela. So that would be that was be good. And in Olympics, I hear that I I hear I understand that. Uh, amateur boxing is not a professional boxing. They don't match together because um, amateur boxing is three three rounds. We don't have a time to know and to to stop. We need to we need to go uh, right away, straight away for for the fight in, inside the fight. But that make me a, a mistake for the, for for my fight with the Brazilian the Brazilian guy. But now I come I, I I'm come back in the track. You know, when I hear that I will go, I will do the uh, the entering boxing, the entering championship. I go back in training. I give all the best for me, for my body, for my mind, for my mind. And then, you know, you 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 see what happened. That is the hard work, the hard work things. You know. Absolutely. So, um, if if they let professional boxers in the next Olympics in 2020. There's, there's not a chance we're going to see you try out in that one, or no? No, no. I I understand that boxing, amateur boxing and professional boxing doesn't match together. Yeah. So I, I will not do no more amateur boxing. I'm professional. I will stay professional. Okay, okay. So obviously, as I said, you picked up the interim world title now. Um, have you got any any idea when your next fight in or who you who you put? perhaps could be fighting next or when it's likely to be next year at all? You know, uh, now I I hear that and the supervisor for WBA told me that the, the, day, the day after the fight that Dinaji Golovkin going to fight Danny Jacobs and my title is not entering right now. He's a regular title. So I was happy when he told me that. But I know that I have Many good things will come before, uh, after after that. So I'm gonna go back in the training, but I don't have no no names right, no names yet. I don't have no names and no date, but I'm gonna go back in training. I have one week to rest because I had I do very hard work. I, I had two more work, had two more training. So right now I'm gonna rest for one week and then come back, come back to training, come back in the gym give all my best like I do every time and then uh, and then I waiting for some name you know for the next but I think like my promoter told me I think it's gonna be the end of March of debut of April okay great um that that's good news because just because I wasn't too sure myself when I knew that um the regular champion was 
Danny Jacobs and, and you was the interim champion. Obviously, he's taking on Golovkin, so you've been upgraded. So that's brilliant news for yourself. So, so I'm happy to hear that. And um, thank you for clearing up that situation because it's all a bit confusing when it's the WBA. So uh, thanks for doing yeah. that. So um, you mentioned there Gennady Golovkin against Daniel Jacobs. I've got to ask you about that fight. We had Gennady Golovkin's promoter on the show earlier, Tom Loeffler. Uh, he's very excited about that fight. How do you see that fight playing out, Hassan, between Gennady and Daniel Jacobs? You know, that fight going to be the fight for two great boxers in middleweight division. It's going to be number one and number two for this fight, for, the, for this division. You know, Golovkin for me is the the best. Is the best fighter for middleweight. For me, is the best for for pound for pound. But you know, uh, we cannot say uh, he's gonna win 100% for because Danny Jacobs is a surprise guy. He's come back for the for the counter. He come back and beat uh, Peter Quillen for one round. He become world champion. He uh, he do many things. Many surprise for people. People don't don't believe that, and I think it's gonna be a great fight. But I give some some advantage to Golovkin because he's a super champion, and he know how uh, how to do. He he get experience, amateur experience. He got professional experience. He's a number one KO boxer. So I think it's gonna be a, a exciting fight. I but I give him some advantage to Golovkin. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree. And uh, yeah, Danny Jacobs, he's the miracle man. He's got 12 knockouts in a row and uh, Gennady Golovkin got 23 knockouts in a row. So both guys are coming off of 35 knockouts altogether. So it's very exciting, that fight. Um, Finally, Hassan, the last thing I've got to ask you now, uh, we're asking everybody this because it's close to Christmas. we've, We've asked everybody that we spoke to this month. What is on your Christmas wish list for 2017? What do you want from boxing in, in, in the coming year, which we're very, very close to in just a few more days? The first, the first of all, I want to thank and I want that God make make the boxing continue in the, in the clean, clean situation. Uh, God bless every, every boxer. Uh, all the boxer on around the world because boxing is the some is a strong a strong job and uh, too much sacrifice in boxing. So I respect all the boxer, all all people who do boxing, all training, all sacrifice. So I I want them to be blessed by God. And for me personally, I want big fight coming up in 2017. I come back. Asan and Dam is back on track and it will be very very hard for anybody and in 2017 i think great things gonna come back and maybe why not i want to fight the best because we are in the boxing we are in the sport and my goal is to fight all the best in this division so for me the best today is triple g and after this fight, I hope that uh, the fight with Triple J is going to happen. Why Why not happen? It's going to happen, I think. So we lost three times to fight to each other. And I think right now we're going to have some some arrangement to do that, some agreement to do that. 
Absolutely, and I, 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 I will be, I'll be looking forward to that fight because that that that's a fight I know you've wanted for a long time. So I, I really hope that that does come off uh, in 2017 for you. Okay, listen, Hassan, it's always a pleasure speaking to you. You're a true gentleman. I wish you, I wish you a merry Christmas and a happy New Year, and we will speak again very soon. Thank you very much. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas to everybody. We hear the, the Box Swag uh, Radio. So thank you very much. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, we're going to start with the preview part. There's only two fights to go over. This card happening over in Quebec, Canada on the 23rd of December. One fight to mention. I think this card's going to be shown on Box Nation, by the way. Uh, so this Friday. Uh, Arta Baturbiev, he's 10-0. and 0. He puts his WBA, NABA in light heavyweight title on the line. Uh, of his 10 wins, he's got 10, all 10 by knockout. He takes on Isidro Renoni. Prieto, who has a record of 26 and 1 with three draws, and of Prieto's 26 wins, he's got 22 by knockout. So both men can punch. He's a 12 rounder at light heavyweight. Artur Baturbiev, one of my favorite fighters to watch. Very, very exciting. Again, another really, really good fighter. And uh, I'm sure he's going to go out there and get the job done and probably in style. But that's really it for Canada. One last fight to mention on the preview part of the show. As I say, there's not many people that want to fight this close to the new year and that is a fight happening on christmas eve this one's over in the olympic yard in kiev over in ukraine one fight to mention andre rudenko 30 wins and two losses he puts his wbc international silver heavyweight title on the line against jason bergman who has a record of 26 wins 12 losses and two draws not a particularly attractive record but we got to mention Rodenko. You know, he is a good fighter, although he's, you know, he was given a bit of a hiding by Huey Fury once upon a time, but he's definitely not someone we can just completely, um, you know, wipe away. He is, he is a decent fighter on his day. So that's really it for the preview part of the show. There's one other thing that we've got to do now, and I want to bring in Ayaz, the man who's wearing the Christmas hat, the center over here. Uh, Ayaz, have you got the news for us this week? Because there's there's a couple of subjects, as, well, a couple of things have been announced this week that are seriously, seriously people are talking a lot about online. Yes. Gennady Golovkin will fight Danny Jacobs in Madison Square Garden. That's a fight, of course, that uh, we had Tom Loeffler talking about just a little earlier. Uh, that's for the, obviously, it's a unification for the rest of the belts that Gennady Golovkin uh, holds. I've seen a lot of people, as, to be honest, that are actually saying that this is a fight that they can see Danny Jacobs winning. Um, I'm not sure I'd agree with them at this stage. I think that it's definitely, I mean, out of all the 160 contenders, would you say that the guy who can probably put up the biggest test, probably the best fighter in, in the 160 division, aside from um, aside from Gennady Golovkin's Danny Jacobs? I mean, I know that uh, Billy Joe Saunders was pretty awful in his last fight, but I mean, I think he's sort of Gennady Golovkin, then Danny Jacobs, then Saunders. Is that fair to say, or am I missing anyone out in the, in the 160 division? Yes, that's what I would go for as well. Danny, Danny Jacobs, Billy Joe, and Gennady Golovkin. Chris Eubank Jr., He's a good fight, but he hasn't been. He needs to be tested. Definitely, completely agree with that. But um, yeah, I mean, do you, do you think Danny Jacobs has got any chance? Obviously, we're going to talk about it more in detail nearer the fight. Obviously, we spoke to Tom Loeffler mostly about the ins and outs. But um, how do you see that fight playing out? This is a tough one because then, then again, Danny Jacobs is a very good fighter, but Gennady Golovkin is just a, he's a he's a monster in the ring. 
Yeah, he's a different animal, but both men can bang. Both men, a lot of knockouts. Uh, Danny Jacobs can really bang as well. You know, he, he really can bang. He's kind of got that um, that sort of freakish power almost, you know, like the shots that he's... He, well, I wouldn't say he's anything like Golovkin, but they both got freakish power. Both can can definitely uh, knock the other one out if, if a punch is landed clean. And we can't see the same GGG getting in there that fought Kell Brook because I think that, that could really play into Danny Jacobs' hands. But that one definitely... Definitely is intriguing. Um, me and I, as we're both discussing fights just before we went on air, we're both just discussing fights that we're excited for. Um, this one was one of them. I, as we talked about the uh, uh, this fight here, of course, between Gennady Golovkin and Danny Jacobs. Um, the other fight we mentioned, I mean, also one that we forgot, Andre Ward against Kovalev. That's supposed to be happening again in 2017. So uh, Kovalev Ward two. Um, Danny Jacobs Golovkin um, what was the other two I think there was two more Badu Jack against James DeGaulle and, um, and Thurman Garcia yeah Danny Danny, Danny Garcia and Keith Thurman um, out of those four I've mentioned there because I do really want to see Kovalev and Ward again out of those four there which one would you say you're most looking forward to because for me I've got to be completely honest it's between Garcia and Keith Thurman and that's a fight where I think Keith Thurman's going to beat Danny Garcia that's um, I agree with you there. That's one fight I'm looking forward to, because Garcia, he's the thing about him, he's a good fighter, but he's been he's been picking his like, opponents, but now he's got to step up because he's fighting Keith Thurman, a big puncher. Yeah, I mean, obviously Kovalev Ward is is a it's a brilliant fight. It's a brilliant, brilliant fight. Um, the first fight was brilliant. I I thought the, the uh, Kovalev just pinched it. Danny Garcia against Furman. This is a fight where you know both men are, are undefeated, so somebody's O's got to go. Uh, you know Golovkin, he's undefeated, but. Um, Danny Jacobs isn't. It just it's just a little bit more spice to the pot. I know that like, the undefeated thing doesn't really hold much weight. It depends who you're in there with. There's too many guys with really padded records. But I think Danny Garcia against Furman's the fight I'm looking forward to the most. So if anybody's listening that wants to get involved, send us a Christmas tweet on Twitter. We're on Twitter at Box Hard Podcast. You can reach out to us and just let us know out of the four fights that we've mentioned there. So Danny Garcia against Keith Furman, Kovalev versus Ward two. James DeGaulle against Badu Jack. That's another one where, um, well, no, just James DeGaulle's undefeated there. Badu Jack's got a loss. And the other one, I, I've just forgot. Oh, GGG against against Danny Jacobs. So, um, yeah, of those four fights, just send us in a tweet which one you're looking forward to most. Or if we've missed one, which I don't think we have, but if we've missed one, just send in a tweet and say, do you know what? I'm looking forward to that one most. You can have a fifth option. So um, any of those four, because me personally, I think it's Danny Garcia and, and uh, Keith Furman. Ayers, which one did you say you look forward to most out of those? Was it Badu Jack and James DeGaulle? Or, yes, that's or, the uh, fight because this is a unification fight. And they're both good, both talented fighters. Yeah, well, three of them are unification fights. You know, Garcia, Furman, unification. Uh, Andre Ward and Kovalev's not. That's the only one that's not. But yeah, all three fights, unifications. It's great to see. You know, we need the sport. To, we need this from the sport. You know, the, the sport of boxing. When, when there's a unification fight on, it's, it's brilliant. And obviously, another fight I've missed. How did I miss it? Eyes. How did we miss it? Oh, my God. Uh, Klitschko against Joshua. That's probably top my list, actually. April 29th, Wembley Stadium, 90,000 people, man. Oh, yes, you're right about that as well. Yeah, I mean, that. I think that's top my list. Forget about Danny Garcia and Kit. Oh, I can't forget about it. It's a great fight. But 
oh man, would you, oh man, what a fight that's going to be. I has, I didn't have you on last week's show um, and you wasn't there to face up to the fact that it's now 4-2 to me, by the way. I just want to remind you that I picked Frank Bullioni to win and I picked Dillian White to win. You went with uh, Jose Burton and uh, and Chisora. So it's 4-2 to me and I need that written down because uh, I can see you over there as well. You don't look like you've got any intentions of writing it down, but um, that's got to get written down. The fans, uh, not the fans, the listeners, I call them the fans is a bit of a disrespect, a bit of a disrespectful statement, but they've got my back on this. You know, I was with them last week on my own and I think some of them are going to be keeping the scores as well because we know that, you know, you with a pen, you're crossing things out, you're writing other stuff. I don't think you kept the scores very well. I think it's about 6-1 to me. I don't know how you missed up all these scores for so long. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right about that, Joey. (laughs) Finally, a bit of honesty. Right, listen, um, so, yeah, Klitschko-Joshua, I mean, that's that's a fight where last week I actually talked about it on my own, as I said, and, um, you know, I, I'm saying that Klitschko is going to win that from, from this far out. I can't see my mind changing. I was saying that, obviously, if there's some sort of injury or pullout, I think it's it will favour Joshua because it means it's even longer that Vlad hasn't had a fight for. Who do you see winning that fight? I Seriously. Seriously, who's going to win that? Joshua Klitschko. You know, don't just side with me on Klitschko. If you, you know, who do you reckon? Do you reckon this is the time for Joshua to beat the old man? Personally, I agree with you. I, I, I'm going for Klitschko in because the thing is, we haven't seen Joshua go past eight rounds. He needs the rounds. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you, you're right. We, well, he hasn't really been past seven, is he? I think it, it was Dillian White that took him to seven. And I Dominic think, Brazil as well. Did he take him to seven or did he take him to eight, Dominic Brazil? I think it was seven, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, so he hasn't even been seven rounds because the fight stopped in seven rounds. It hasn't gone to the eighth. But, um, oh, that mulled wine I has. It's a bit, tastes a bit mouldy, to be honest. Um, oh, God, less said the better on that. Um, right, so that's really it for, um, no, that's not it for the news. You've got, you've still got a bit there, Ayers. What What's the other piece? Is it just one other bit? Yes, Can't Lenny, see. Lenny Dawes' fight is, will be rescheduled for February now. Yeah, yeah, that was supposed to happen on the 17th. So just Saturday, just last weekend on, on the big night of fights. And um, it was supposed to happen in Car Shorten at that leisure centre that he fought in the previous year. So he'd been out of the ring for a year. He was fighting in the same venue for the European title again uh, against Anthony Yigit. And I think that Lenny Dawes picked up an injury. I think it was as or is it Lenny Dawes who's picked up an injury? Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so yeah, that fight's back on for February. I'm not sure if it's in the same venue or not, but uh, Lenny Dawes, I know he's so, you know, he's, he's the top of his list, his to-do list. He definitely wants to win this European title. He gets another crack at it, but he would have been out of the ring for 14 months. So uh, I don't know if that's any good, but, you know, we're, we're completely, completely behind Lenny Dawes, especially as he's pretty local to me. Not very local to you, but pretty local to me. So we've got Lenny Dawes' back. But um, that's really it for the talking, guys. I think I think that's it for the talking. Is there any any more that we've left out at all? Anything yeah, that you, we, we're we're going to get out? No, that's it. So that's all the talking done in part two as well. So uh, we tried to go through it as quick as possible. I don't know. These, these shows seem to be just going on for so long. It, I just I've got like a motor mouth. It's just going off. Especially as mulled wine. It really has an tires. Please don't bring that in again. But um, the Christmas pudding will be going in the microwave in due time as well. But first, we must bring you our third guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former four-weight world champion, also known as the Filipino Flash. It's, of course, Mr. Nanito Dene. Nanito, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, man. Thank you for having me. 
Hey, it's my pleasure. Now, Nanita, I want to start this interview with a typical opening question. How did you get into boxing? Where did it all begin? Well, um, my father and I wanted to get us, uh, or my father wanted to, my sibling and I to be off the street. So it became a um, an after-school program. Okay. I've read something where you was a tiny little bit perhaps jealous of, of, of your other siblings and felt a little bit left out. Well, in a, in a way, yes. Um, you know, my older brother was, was definitely a, a favorite, um, but he was winning. And, you know, he was brave and, and courageous in that sense compared to me, who uh, who was uh, made fun of in, in school and stuff like that. But the attention was definitely there. And, and I, I wanted a little bit of that in, in, in my case for my father as well, you know, to notice me that, you know, I can I can do it as well. So... Um, I got into it um, not only as an after-school program or a self-defense, but as well as to get a little bit of attention that uh, that from my father. Okay, okay. So, so we leave that there. Let's get on to your pro career now. Obviously, you've had a very illustrious career. You've achieved some amazing things, and we wouldn't have the time to go over every single amazing fight you've been in. But um, if we jump into my virtual time machine for a moment and go back to seven seven seven. Now, number seven is uh, my girlfriend's lucky number. It was your lucky number as well on this night, the seventh of <laughs> July, two thousand and seven. Uh, you took on the then IBF flyweight world champion Vic Darchinian. Now, Nanito, could you walk us through this fight? Because I know it was more than just your first world title fight. You wanted to get revenge on him because he'd previously beaten your brother, right? That is correct. Um, my my brother was uh, was defeated by Victor Chinyan. Um And, of course, part of me wanted to, not so much revenge, but to just to prove that um, that we are no pushover, you know. Um, but when we got into the fight, into the, the weigh-ins and the press conference the week of the fight, they were very rowdy. The, the, their, their corner and their people were very rowdy and and it, it just ticked me off. It just pissed me off. It just drove me, you know. And 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 at that moment, um, the fight didn't matter to me. I just wanted to beat this guy. That's, that's pretty much what it, what was in mind. It wasn't the title in my head. It was just I wanted to beat this guy to a pulp as much as I can, you know, or just defeat him. That was that was going through my mind. It wasn't it wasn't what he has done to my brother, you know. It was just. I just I wanted to just beat this guy because I thought he was it was very cocky he was very uh his people were just looking down upon us and that was the only goal that I have in my in in that time was just I wanted to prove to them that we're better that I am better that I'm gonna beat him and and, and that was that was it <laughs> you know and and after that that punch that knocked him out that's when I realized that I became world champion and then I jumped around like uncontrollably. <laughs> I watched that back today, just a couple of hours ago. So uh, that's fresh in my head. I saw you. You was uh, jumping up and down the ring. You was on your knees. You was hitting the <laughs> canvas at one yeah. point. It was good to see. So um, you won that fight via knockout in round five. Obviously, you got the revenge for your brother. You become the first man to beat Victor Chinian and became the new IBF flyweight world champion. Uh, it was also considered knockout of the year and upset of the year that short left hook, which um, your brother was very proud of you as well. I watched a post-fight interview. He was very happy at one point. Yes, he was, he was definitely very happy. I mean, you know, he was the guy that, that, uh, that beat him, you know, and his little brother had something that, that he had done. And, and I think it was just more of, of just being in a teamwork, 
mentality, you know, a family mentality that um, we are world champions. And it wasn't just myself. It was everybody else. And I think that's what my brother felt at that time. Yeah, no, it was great to see. It really was. Now, uh, you went on to successfully defend your IBF flyweight title three times. All three fights you won by knockout. Of your four world title fights in total at flyweight, uh, your four opponents, you know, just, I was just, this kind of staggered me a little bit. Your four opponents had a combined record of 110 wins and just three losses, which is just incredible. Now, um, obviously, you gave up the belt in 2009 in order to move up to super flyweight. Um, you weren't at super flyweight for too long. You, you had three fights there. You captured the interim WBA world title in your first fight against Rafael Conception. You beat him unanimously over 12. Uh, then you knocked out former world title challenger Manuel Vargas inside three rounds and then knocked out the eventual world champion Hernan Marquez. Uh, after this, of course, you, de- you decided to move up to bantamweight. And in your first fight, you took on yeah, former the, world the champion. Reason, go on, go on. Yeah, jump in the, at any the reason, time. The reason for that, yeah, the reason for that is at that time, Darchin and I were supposed to fight a rematch. That's right. You know, for the 115, because he was holding the 115 IBF uh, or, or whatever it was, the WBA uh, champion, um, super champion. And um, after beating Mijares, um, you know, and he was on a talk for about almost a year. And, and for some reason, it oddly, it just fell apart. And when he moved up in weight, that's the reason why I moved up in weight as well. Yeah, because um, obviously, you know, you eventually did fight and it was it was quite a few weights up in, in the end. But we, we will get on to that in, in due time. So you found yourself at bantamweight uh, in your first fight. You took on former world champion uh, Vladimir Sidorenko. Now, you became the first and last man to ever knock him out. Um, of course, he subsequently retired from the sport after that fight. Now, you challenge for a title at Bantamweight, and it's against Fernando Montiel. Now, Montiel, of course, held the WBC and WBO World Bantamweight titles. He'd never been stopped. Nanito, tell us what happened on that night. I was very nervous at that night, actually. I, I, you know, Montiel is a very formidable opponent. Um, he had just beaten Hasegawa, you know, and he, was, and he had his momentum. You know, and and uh, that night I was I was very uh, very confident at the same time as well as nervous. I was very excited, and we put our game plans together with my with my team, and and um, we just knew what we wanted to do out there. You know, I had explained exactly what had happened in a fight beforehand, and you know, it was very fortunate that everything that we had game planned for or planned out um, strategically everything just went in the way we game planned. So, you know, and that's the only reason why that fight went the way it did, which is, was the knockout in the second round. Um, I knew that he was, he was going to, he was going to be susceptible for a left hook, you know, because every time that he moved, he'd punch, but he would always be right in front of you. So all we needed to do was, um, was to lean back a little bit and then to be able to reach him. What sometimes he can't reach me. Um, and so we, we, we did that. We game plan the way it was the way it was meant to be. And um, you know, and, and that's how it looked like it was easy, but definitely Montiel was not was not a a, a walk in the park. No, no, not at all. I mean, we've even seen him. Uh, he gave, he got beat on the night, but he gave Lee Selby a run for his money not very, not very long ago. You know, so uh, even nowadays he's very, very crafty. Um, of course, after knocking him down the first time, I personally thought the referee wouldn't have let him carry on. 
but uh, you know his body was jerking on the floor when he got knocked down. But uh, when he got back up, of course, you landed two more shots, and then the referee stopped the action. Uh, that was the that was the moment that you became the WBO and WBC World Bantamweight Champion. Now, your first defense was against the unbeaten two weight world champion um, Omar Navarez. Now, this guy, to be honest. It was a, it was a strong touch for your first defense. This was um, I think a lot of people were, su- were surprised by by that fight coming off. Uh, as I said, he'd never lost uh, until he met you. You scored a shutout victory over twelve rounds across all three judges' scorecards. Uh, even after losing to you, he went on to have big fights, and he's still he's still fighting now. He's still doing pretty well now. Uh, what what is your memories from those from from that night there, Nanito? Just in a nutshell, because that was a brilliant win. Well, I, I think I was more looking to another knockout in that fight, but he wasn't given to me. He just wasn't giving me any opening. You know, I'm a counter puncher. So um, whatever opening that I am given, I, I usually would take it. But I think it was in the third round or, or the third or fourth round where I almost knocked him out um, where he was, he was hurt. But after that, that's when he started just shelling up and, and put his, uh, his, his, his defense up. And he wouldn't give me any opportunity to counter properly. And, and the fight came on the way it did. And of course, after that, you made the jump up to Super Bantam. Now, you didn't test the weight first or anything like that. You dived straight into a world title fight against Wilfredo Vasquez Jr. for the vacant WBO Super Bantam weight title. Now, Vasquez Jr. had previously held this belt too, so he wanted to get it back. Uh, you dropped him in the ninth. You won on a split decision after 12. Uh, one of the judges with a terrible, terrible scorecard uh, against you in that one, uh, but a relatively easy win looking back now. Uh, then you went on to unify your title with the IBF Super Bantam weight champion champion at the time, Jeffrey Matabula. Now, you knocked him down in round four. You broke his jaw in two places. Another glimpse of, of, of that deadly left hook that you possess in that fight a few times. Uh, ultimately, he took you to the distance in which you beat him unanimously. Any any reflect on that fight? Because I'll look at your record, Nani, and it's just it's full of marquee wins. It's just I find it hard to skip so many of these fights because they were just such incredible <laughs> wins. Um, I remember that. You know, we were we were going for uh for a counter, you know, and, and just being in, in, in the pocket with, with, with Matabula. But um that's when I think I kinda of lose sight of, of of um of my technicality. Um after after just looking for knockouts, you know, and, and knowing the power that I have. I think that's when I stopped using my body shots, my um my jabs more often and combinations. I think that's when it started to just kind of relied on, on my power with Matabula. But I remember at that time, we were just trying to, to get another left hook in there. But, um, but yeah, we just, we just did what we did. What I learned to do or became a habit was just to throw a left hook and, and, and relied on it. So that was, that was, the, that was definitely the, the, the part where, where I just started relying on that left hook a lot. And of course, after this, you were the the IBF and WBO super bantamweight champion, and you were scheduled to defend the belts against uh, Nishioka, but you vacated the IBF belt. Uh, was it a few days before the fight was set to take place that you vacated that belt? Uh, it was during, I think, it was during the week, the the, the weigh-ins, where they they just um, we decided to let go of it because there were just too many stipulations uh, for for the IBF and. Um, you know, and we just pretty much came there to fight with Nishioka. 
you know, and yeah, it was it was the week of it was the week of uh, the the way in. I think I thought it was the way in that we relinquished that belt. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, you may be right there. Um, I'm I'm certainly not saying you're wrong. Anyway, now Nishioka was a two weight world champion, and he hadn't lost for over eight years when he fought you. Obviously, your WBO super bantamweight title was on the line. Now this fight took place in October of 2012. Now, Nanito, you had him down in the sixth and the ninth rounds. What do you remember most about that fight? Uh, for that fight, I thought that in my in the back of my head, I I, I felt that. Nishoko was 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 on top of the line of of the fighters, you know, in the weight class. I I put him on top of everybody, and um, and I studied him. I studied the fight. I I I studied the fight. I studied his way of movement, and you know, it was it was similar to the to the desire and and and, and obsession in a sense, the way I studied Montiel. You know, I did the same thing with Nishioka. I never took him lightly. And on that last, uh, the ninth round, when I, the, the the round that I took him, it was a round that we practiced over and over and over and over to hit him with, and it landed. Obviously, after that, you you know, you, you defended your title uh, successfully once again against uh, Jorge Arce, uh, the former four-weight world champion, and you knocked him out in round three. You also had him down in round two. Uh, that fight was four years ago this month as well, so a little uh, little shout for that one here. <laughs> and uh, you went unbeaten for 12 years from, from a controversial loss in your second pro fight in 2001. So we're now up to April of 2013. So 12 years, um, just nothing but wins, wins, wins. And then you run into... Uh, Rigondo, which you know, you put you put your WBO title on the line. He put his WBA title on the line. He's regarded as a really, really special fighter. Uh, you knocked him down in round ten, though, which a lot of people were pretty surprised about. They didn't really see that happening. Someone who's as defensively uh, sound as Rigondo, but you ended up losing unanimously after twelve. So you lost for the first time in twelve years. The number seven was a lucky number for you before the fight but this was your seventh WBO world title fight and it turned out to be very unlucky for you this seven this time around so talk us through that fight please <laughs> uh, on the year of the 13th I guess is, is what you can say <laughs> um you know uh we we, we just to um, check it just to check it went, wasn't a, it wasn't a Friday night by any chance was it yeah I, I'm not no it was not a Friday night <laughs> oh, thank god it wasn't Friday the 13th okay yeah go on yeah <laughs> Um, you know, it was, uh, it, we just, we just, we, we trained, um, you know, we, we had so much confidence going into the ring, you know, we had so much confidence going into the ring. Um, we didn't study his fight. We just relied on the left hook. That's pretty much what we did. We just like, you know what, if it lands, it's going to go, he's going to go to sleep, you know, but the unfortunate part was we, we, we put too much on, on us rather than, than looking at it in both ways that. You know, uh, a punch can only be landed if it lands, or devastating. The punch can only be devastating if it lands. You know, um, and unfortunately, I wasn't able to land at full force with my left hook, and that's how I ended up losing that fight. But Nanita, what what I want to ask you from hearing what you say there is. Not, I'm not saying why were you so confident going into that fight because, you know, every fighter should be confident going into a fight. If you go in there with no confidence and you've basically lost before you get in there, but knowing how 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 highly regarded Rigondo is, why would you make the mistake of being perhaps a little bit too confident? And also, 
you know, you're a, you're a smart fire. You're a brilliant fire. I'm not just saying that because you're here, but why would you solely rely on the left hook in a in a big fight like that, a well, world title fight? I think I think that ultimately, you know, um, the desire for the for the sport game was 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 uh, was diminishing. You know, after the Nishioka fight, you know, I I, I was questioning myself where am I going from here on out? And I've been boxing for quite a while at that time. And I was just kind of questioning myself. And then even in the uh, the Arce fight, I told my my friends and my my uh, my my teammates, my my corner, that if it was anybody else better than him, would have beaten me that night. Even though it looked easy for me, I saw so many flow flaw within me. And I told my guys, and I was really upset at that fight, by the way. Um, and then you know the Rigondeaux fight happened. And we just relied because I was always constantly told that, hey, man, you're, you know, you hit him with one punch, you're going to knock him out. And of course, you start believing it because, you know, you start you start losing that 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 edge, you know, and, and, and the moment that I lost that edge is the moment that I was bitten, you know, and and and, uh, and that was it. No, I appreciate your honesty there. Um, you know, is that is that is that something that obviously, you know, we've still got a couple more fights to go over before we are up to speed where we are today. But as, as a desire, I want to ask you this now, cause we're on this little point. Did the desire come back after, after the Rigondo fight or a couple fights later? Have you still got the, the firing you at the moment? Would you say? After the Rigondo fight, I was, I would, I was uh, losing my, my, my path because I let my pride get in the way, you know, and, 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 and instead of, instead of taking in, and just being responsible for, for the loss, I, I made a lot of excuses. I mean, you know, I, 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 well, it's not so much, it was factual. I fought with a, with a, with a, with a torn ligaments uh, on my shoulder, on my uh, rotator cuffs. But I fought because I thought that, you know what, I, if I land left hook, that's all I really need to do. You know, and I, I just relied on one hand and I fought with it. The next day, I, I, after the fight, I got back to uh, San Francisco, got it done. And from that moment on, I just kind of, kind of have was in the limbo of, of you know, um, of my pride getting in the way of like, I should have studied him. I should have, could have, would have, but I didn't, <laughs> you know, kind of situation for me. Um, so, so at that moment, I was just kind of trying to find myself, you know, you, you just, it, it was, it was like a pitcher who, who strikes everybody out. And, and, and when everybody figured them out, um, it was like he needed to find him his way. And I was pretty much the same boat. Like I needed another identity. And I, and I was just kind of trying to figure out where I'm going to be with boxing, you know, but then my pride wouldn't let me walk away from it. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Now, seven months later, you know, you'd have thought that maybe Victor Chilean's people might have stayed away from number seven after last time, but only seven months later, you're back out again. Uh, you you moved up to featherweight and you rematched Victor Chinian. So uh, everybody knows if there's a seven involved, we know what's going to happen here. So six years after your first clash with him, this fight took place, the, the rematch. You were losing this fight on two of the judges' scorecards. And then in the ninth round, the scorecards weren't needed. History repeated itself. Or maybe I should say uh, your left hook came back to haunt Darchinian once again. You dropped him. He got back up and was ultimately stopped with a left uppercut being your final punch in that one. Um, 
I know that after the first fight, because as I say, I, I rewatched it today, and you you were very, very respectful. You know, you are a very respectful, honourable man. Um, I saw that you were sort of saying to him, listen, I really respect you. You know, I've won this fight. You were being very, very respectful. And then he was like, okay, you respect me. Give me a rematch. He seemed, he seemed very um, hostile, to be <laughs> honest. Now, how yeah. did it feel to get this rematch because as you say you wanted the rematch he wanted the rematch it had gone on through quite a few weight divisions i think you moved up three or four weight divisions and then it finally happened at at, at featherweight so how good was it to basically shut the book on this whole victor chinian um you know beef if you like well i never really had a beef because of the fact that i i knew exactly what was going to happen in my head you know, and I did, I welcomed it. And, and, um, when it happened, you know, I was, I was very, very grateful for that moment, you know, um, regardless what it may seem, you know, I, I think they probably still believe that they can still beat me, you know, and, and that they can still win. But the, the, the truth is I, I beat them twice, you know, and I knocked them out twice. And, and that's just the, the bitterness of it all. But, you know, um, this is boxing. This is what it's supposed to be, you know. And ultimately, um, it was it was it was definitely a, a, a closing to the book of, of Darchinian versus Donaire versus Darchinian, you know. Were you happy that that whole uh, saga was over with? Definitely. Um, I never really dwelled into it. I mean, I I had a lot of issues during at that time, you know, um, going going into that fight. You know, um, I was I was brought in the hospital. Of a few fractures here and there in my hand and in 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 some places as well. Um, so you know, I I just I just kind of went on and just healed up and and tried to figure out again where 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 my mindset was. You know, <laughs> so. Okay, so in May of 2014, you fought Vet uh, the WBA Super World featherweight champion now you dropped him in the fourth and you were cut due to an accidental head clash i think it was maybe in, in round one uh, it worsened and um you know it caused the fight to end early so it went to the judges scorecards for a technical decision in round five you won about 49 46 across all three of the judges scorecards so uh you became the the wba super world featherweight champion at this point you ran into then the axe man nicholas waters he was flying at the time he was 24 and oh uh, this was set to be a really good fight a lot of people were really really hyped up about the jamaican uh this was going to be a fight where we'd find out how good he really was uh, he picked up a good win on the night, in all honesty. It was a fight where you didn't really look like the Nanito Denaire that we know. Um, what do you remember from that fight? Because, you know, this was the first time that you, and, and hopefully the last time, that you were stopped in your career, uh, thus losing your WBA world title that night. Well, I think that um, at that moment, I mean, I had, I had six weeks of training for that fight. You know, Top Run gave me a call and I said, okay, you know, I'll take the fight. So, you know, but I mean, I go out there and then I always want to represent. Um, I, I came out there with the thought that I might not make it to the 12th round because, you know, if I go all out, um, my stamina wasn't going to sustain. Um, so I went out there and I got very desperate. You know, I almost knocked him out and I felt like I could do it the next round and ended up being dropped for the first time in my career. Uh, career you know, touching the canvas. And I think that was partly the biggest um, fight in my head 
that led me to lose, you know, and got desperate because um, I've never been down and I've never touched a canvas, you know, and that was the first time. And there was a lot of, a lot of mental blockage, a lot of mental um, uh, personalities fighting within me. And so when I fought, there was no part of me that wanted to give up, of course, but there was a lot of mental uh, um, battle that was, that was fighting me. It was like, oh, you know, you got dropped. Or, oh, you know, this guy is bigger than you, you know, and, and stuff like that, that goes into my head. But I, I went out there and then just went in in desperation rather than being patient. You know, in the, in the early rounds, I was doing really well by being patient, but my impatience cost me that fight. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, you, you came to a conclusion, it seemed after that fight that maybe going to featherweight was perhaps a step too far in terms of weight because, you know, you'd moved through a bunch of divisions at this point and you were not in your comfortable and natural uh, weight category or really anywhere near it. Um, is that fair to say? Is that why you went back down to Super Bantam? Well, that's definitely fair to say because, you know, I, for a fact, you know, during the fight when I fought with Walter, Walter was 140 plus you know, 143 or so, and I was 129 walking into the ring. So he had a lot of weight. And, and, and I, I know that when I landed the punch at any level of, of if it was a smaller guy, um, he would have succumbed to that power because I landed really well. I felt it, you know, and I felt good on, on that hit. But being the bigger guy, you can always most likely take the bigger punch, uh, the, the, the punch. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. No, no, that's that's of course, you know, that that is true. So you ended up back down at uh, Super Bantam. Uh, you fought three times in 2015: once in the Philippines, once in China, and once in Puerto Rico. All three fights you won: two by knockout in the second round, and the third via a unanimous decision when you outpointed uh, Cesar Juarez for the vacant WBO World Super Bantamweight strap. So despite going the distance, you had him down twice in round four. Uh, you defended that title once successfully this year in April, earlier this year against um, Salt Bearfack I think that's how you say his name uh, where you made pretty pretty easy work of him putting him down twice in round two and eventually getting the TKO in round three uh, just the last month you fought again of course on November the 5th and you took on the undefeated Jesse Magdaleno 23-0, and uh, you put your belt on the line, it it really wasn't your night. It's, it's, it's a shame because, it, it, so to speak, it seems like your years kind of ended on a bit of a low after after that after that fight. Seeing as it's the most recent fight, Nanito, and all the other ones that we've gone over are in the more distant memory, what went wrong just last month? Well, what went wrong is is um, is the the confidence level that I had. You know, my mentality. You know, after doing a lot of seminars and a lot of uh, life coaching, you know, I've gained so much confidence. Um, you know, I became a better man, became a better father, son, a better friend, you know, and, and I, I, I'm proud of that. And when I got into the ring, I, I trained very hard for it, you know, but there was just something that I missed, which was um, the habit that I've created throughout, which was just a one punch uh, person, one punch fighter. You know, I created that habit for so many years because I've relied on it for so long um, that I wasn't able and I was unable to really correct it. But that's something that that I've learned and I'm very grateful and thankful for because now I can create a better fighter 
in 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 seeing my flaws in in all the fights that I've I've lost uh, throughout the years and all the fights that I've won, you know, just going through it, I've I've learned that you know what that was the greatest uh, experience that I can have is because at this moment now there's no more faltering back. It's it's it, I have to keep moving forward and be better, and and in doing so I have to correct all the habits that I've created throughout the years and be youthful again. So Nonito, um. I want to ask you this now because, you know, we, we've gone over a load of fights there. I want to ask you, who was your toughest fighter that you've shared a ring with? I know that really and truly any name you say, I'm going to I'm going to probably um, not be surprised by because there's probably about 15 or so guys you could choose. And you could all arguably say they was just as good as the other one. You thought, like I say, a real talent pool of good fighters. So I want to ask you, who was the toughest fighter that you shared a ring with? And what was the biggest I've... regret of your boxing career so far? I the the toughest guy I would say would be Cesar Juarez. I've never been so exhausted. I've never been put into a test to 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 question my 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 identity as a warrior. You know, part of me was like, man, I'm tired. I am. I just want to just sit down and just stop. I was so exhausted. I know I was the better fighter. I know I was I was incredibly ahead of, of the fight. But I was I was tired. I was bleeding i was exhausted part of me just wanted to quit and i've never been in that position you know ever you know i've been dropped but never part of me wanted to quit i've been hit never part of me wanted to quit but at that time i was very tired and and i had to test my will and i was very grateful for that moment because it made me realize i want to be boxing still you know so i would say that was my toughest fight um my most Thing, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's hard for me because I don't really believe in regrets, you know. So, you know, I, I've always believed that life always gives us something to teach us a lesson, you know, regardless if it's victory or not, you know. Um, I would, I would just, the only thing that I would, I would say that I would regret would be fighting where I'm not 100%, you know, like with Rigondeaux uh, being uh, my, my, my rotator cuffs all messed up you know, or fighting with, with Walters for a six week notice, you know, um, I would, that, that probably would be just having the right decision at the moment in time. Uh, that would be the only regret. I mean, I, again, I don't really believe in regrets. I've always believed in, in, in the learning lessons that life gives us. Yeah, no, that's a positive, a positive um, look on life anyway. So uh, I appreciate that. I, I, I agree. That's a, that's a good way to look at life. So, um, right. So, so, so what is next for you, Nanita? Which weight class will you be at? Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm guessing next year, 2017. Well, there's a lot of fights out there that, that I'm willing to fight, you know, from 126 to 126, you know, or getting the rematch or anything like that. You know, I'm really, I'm willing to give it out there you know just reach out to everybody out there all the champions let's make it happen i'm ready to go you know and 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 that's pretty much it but i mean just for now the main thing is celebrate this this holidays with my kids my family and next year uh start the negotiation and i'm willing to fight anybody i've always been that way and it will always be that way and which weight class are you most comfortable at though in your most honest opinion at the moment well, right now, the 122 would be the most comfortable for me. I mean, the last fight, I was at, I weighed in at 122 or 121, closer to 122. But the, the fight, I was about closer to 129, 130. 
So I'm very comfortable at this weight class at 122, but I'm also willing to fight at 126, you know. Okay, so super bantam. Obviously, you've got you know you've got Rigan though, uh, the WBA champ. You've got uh, Jesse Magdaleno as well, the WBO, and a man I'm quite big on at the moment, Jonathan Guzman, the IBF champion, 22 and 0 with 22 knockouts. So it's a real thriving division at the moment. All three guys, um, pretty much danger men. What's your opinion on? Have you seen much of Jonathan Guzman at all? If so, what's your opinion on him? Uh, I've, I've honestly, I've, that's the first time I've heard his name. Um, oh boy. I haven't seen him fight now, now that you look now, now that, now that you, uh, you said his record and, and, and how much your height, it, it piqued my, my interest now to see, to see this guy. And I'm probably going to research this guy soon after we hang up because honestly, <laughs> this is the first time I've heard his name. Yeah, yeah. So he's the IBF um, world champion. As I say, 22-0 and 0 with 22 knockouts. Uh, the crazy story Incredible. about him was when he, I can't remember when, he won the world title earlier this year. I can't remember which country it was in which he won the world title in. But when he was coming back from the airport, he got robbed for all of his uh, fight purse, which was quite incredible. That made the news as well. So uh, horrible stuff. But yeah, he's a, he's a devastating oh, puncher. So uh so yeah, look out for him because he's you know he's making a lot of noise at the moment. So um, okay, so so probably at super bantamweight. So so you know you're open for 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 pretty much any of the guys from one twenty two to one twenty six. Anyone in particular at all? No, uh, you know you got Santa Cruz, you got you got Frampton, you those got all guys these are guys fighting each other, that. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean those are interesting to me. You know now now this guy that you mentioned. It's pretty interesting to me as well because I'm a fighter, you know. You give me something that's challenging, I'm always going to go for that. <laughs> that's just how I am. That's how I'm built. It is, if, it's, if it's tough, I'm there. If it's good, okay. I'm there. <laughs> you know. Okie dokie. So um, I want to ask you this now. If, if you were some sort of uh, boxing promoter god, some boxing promoter Santa Claus that could make any fight happen – in the boxing world, doesn't have to be super bantamweight, can be heavyweight, any weight class. Which fight would you like to see in boxing at the moment? The most exciting fight from your point of view. A lot of good fights happening next year, actually. But if you could make any fight, which would it be? Man, there's a lot of fight that I want to make. I mean, you know, you got the Canelo Triple G. Oh. You know, um, I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing the the Ward uh, Kovalev again. And if 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 Mayweather's in the mix, I would want him to be with with uh, with with Crawford. You know, Crawford and, and, and Errol Spence. I mean, they're just incredible. Oh, uh, you know, you know. Sound good. Yeah. So, yeah. That sounds very good. Yeah, man. I thought you was going to yeah, say Mayweather and McGregor for a minute. I was going to be quite disappointed if you said that. <laughs> no, 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 no. I would, no, I would, I would mix him up with, 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 you know, with. Uh, that'd be incredible fight between two tactical, fast, you know, fighters with Crawford. You know. And of course, you got Errol Spence, who's, who's, who's incredibly dangerous. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, I mean, there's a lot of great fights out there. <laughs> a lot of great fights. 
Now, I've got three last questions for you before I let you go, Nanito. Um, firstly, because we're in that, that Christmas spirit now, we're, we're coming up to Christmas. Everybody that we've interviewed throughout the month of December, uh, of course, this is the Christmas special show as well. So, you know, we're, we're trying to bring the Christmas spirit as much as we can. What is on your Christmas wish list? I've had to ask this to everybody. What is on your wish list for 2017? In a little bit of a dream world, but not too much of a dream world, a little bit realistic as well. Where, where do you want to be in 2017? 17. I know you want to be, you know, in, in, in another big fight or two, but, you know, would you like to be world champion again? At what weight? Which fight would you want to land? Well, Just, I'll let you take it away. I want to do a rematch with Magdaleno. You know, he had promised me he would give me a rematch, but unfortunately, um, he declined to do it because he said that he won't want a rematch with me. <laughs> so, you know, I don't blame him. Um, but that's something that I want is, is a rematch. And I know that, that it won't be close the next time around. Um, of course, you got Frampton, you got, you got Santa Cruz, whoever wins with those, you know, there's always incredible fights out there. I mean, of course, I'm still willing to go out to your side if, if anybody's willing to fight me out there, <laughs> you know. I mean, that's just my wish list right now is just, you know, I like to travel and fight in, in the U.K., you know, and at the same time, to get the big the big belt. And, and ultimate goal is, of course, be a world champion in 2017. That's actually just made me ask another thing. There was a lot of talk at one stage that um, a guy from over here, Super Bantamweight, Scott Quigg, was going to fight you at some point. Was talks ever serious for that? Or or have you not heard nothing about it? Because a lot of talk was, was being said Man, over here. We were, it was set. It was set in stone. I, you know, it was it was set already. I was training for that fight, and unfortunately, they were enticed to fight Frampton. You know, which I don't blame them for. You know, this is a business sometimes. You know, um, but yeah, I was actually training for that fight. We're we were already setting up, oh, where we're gonna stay, where we're gonna train, and everything like that. You know, and who we're gonna bring to go out there. It was already set. You know, but um, oh, wow. they somehow wanted you know a bigger opportunity which again i don't blame them for this is this is what boxing is wow wow yeah no because if you did come over here i'm telling you there's a hell of a lot of guys out out here who absolutely love you you'd actually i don't want to say you'd have more fans than scott quick but you <laughs> definitely have a lot of people wanting you to beat scott quick i don't know if it's a good thing to say that or not because <laughs> you know we should want to back our brits but you are very much loved over here now um I've got oh, to ask you, you this as well. <laughs> thank you. It's, 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 it's my pleasure on behalf of the UK fans. I've got to ask you this as well. Um, everybody that we speak to from overseas, I have to ask them this. Who would you say, well, if I ask you the question, who's your favourite UK fighter, Nanito? Who comes to mind as, as your favourite fighter? It doesn't have to be a current fighter. It can be one from, from the past, from, from any generation, any era. Who would you say is your favourite British fighter? I mean, the thing that I, I really like was just the personality of Hatton. You know, he went out there, he did it, and, and I would say Hatton would be, I mean, Kazagi, Hatton, Hatton. I would say Hatton would be fun for me. It was fun for me to watch him, you know, um, when, I was, when I was watching him, you know, when he did his thing, you know. And, and uh, yeah, I, I, would, I would say Hatton. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there. That's the, the thing that's coming out of my head right now is just, that <laughs> you know yeah, oh wait fine. of course you got Nassim Hamed you gotta say yes. Nassim Hamed as well I mean that was incredible Nassim Hamed was incredible he's one of the guys that I've watched growing up so yeah I would say Nassim Hamed actually 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all three guys that you mentioned anyway, Kawasaki, um, Hatton and Nassim Hamed, they're all popular choices when I ask this question. So two, I just want to throw two two quick questions at you. So you would be open for the Scott Quigg fight next year or, or not, Nuneo? Bring me, bring me to Manchester, bring me to anywhere. I'm, I'm always hoping for that fight with, 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 uh, with Scott Quigg. And um, obviously... This is, you may think I'm, I'm not telling the truth here, but I'm being completely honest. Um, I, I, I don't know if I've been living under a rock or something, but I heard that, did Manny Pacquiao say something that he shouldn't have said, something disrespectful towards you or something, or, uh, or have I just completely heard that wrong? If so, what did he say? Because I really don't know. I didn't well, know. I didn't he, hear. He just said, he just said that I'm, uh, I'm lazy. You know, and, and hey, that's his opinion because, again, my style was a one-punch thing. And, and throughout the years, you've seen me fight the way I've been fighting. So there was no big difference in it. But, you know, whatever he had said was was something that he had an opinion of. I mean, but I, I believe that, you know, as a fighter, if you really know, and it, just for a person, if you're in a camp, you should know exactly how hard he worked. I mean, I, I could totally say that he's being lazy himself. If, because he has not the same thing as he was 10 years ago or five years ago. He's not throwing as many punches as he did. But I'm not that, you know. I didn't go to his camp. He worked hard for it. He won, you know, and all that stuff. For me, hey, it's his opinion. I, you know, I always welcome people's opinion in in that sense. So, But I go out there and it's, it's just kind of prove, you know, I just... Just do your best, I guess, is, is what I'm saying. But, um, you know, I, I don't... I don't I don't condone anybody else's opinion. They have their own ways of doing of saying things, and then you know, I just leave it at that, I guess. And um, obviously, you know, you guys went to the same school back in the Philippines. Um, are you guys are you guys friends at the moment, or or do you not talk? What's the situation? People always have this um, this idea thing that, that you're like because best we're both friends. Philipp- yeah. Yeah, they always have this feeling that that they think that because we're both Filipinos, we got to be best friends. We're not. We're not. You know, we were very cordial. We're very respectful to each other. You know, and and I I like that. I mean, I he's not. You know, I'm I'm better friends than I am with with Crawford. I'm better friends than I am with Jesse Vargas. You know, because I talk to these guys. I don't talk to Pacquiao that way because when we when we see each other, we hang out, we have respect for each other. But that's pretty much it. I mean, we don't text each other and say hey what's up how are you doing brother you know we don't we don't but just because i'm filipino doesn't mean that we're best friends you know i i i, I always believe that that being human is, is 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 becoming a point where there is really no boundaries it's who you are good friends with or or, or who you consider brothers or or whatever it may be you know regardless of of ethnicities or or religion or or anything you know, I, I think that we're all human in that sense, and 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 it can be anything. I mean, you know, but I I see that the the connection because both Pacquiao and I are Filipino, but you know we're we're just cordial. We're 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 friends in in a distant way of respect. Nanito, you know, you come on here, we, we ask you some boxing questions. You've given a few life lessons as well during this. It's, it's been pretty good to listen to. You've you've really, it's almost like, I feel like I'm the guest on your show a little bit here. <laughs> no, you know, it's, it's the thing is that you grew up, you grew up in, in, in that in that atmosphere. You know, you, you come, you, you, you win and you lose and you realize. And sometimes the reason yeah. why people start falling apart 
is because their pride is stronger and their ego is stronger than the learning experiences that they're supposed to have. You know, life in 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 our world is 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 meant to be learned. You know, lessons are meant to be learned, not 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 to break us apart. But that's the only reason why people fail is because it breaks them apart rather than learning from it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, hundred percent agree with that. Now, the last thing I've, I want to ask you—it's well, not really a question, to be honest—but I want to give you an opportunity to send a message to your UK fans, Nanito. As I said before, you've got a hell of a load—you know, loads and loads and loads of guys. I'm sure you've got loads of uh, social media follow- followers that are from the UK. People love you out here. Could you send a message to the UK fans that may be listening? Well, I just wanted to say thank you all. Thank you. Thank you for uh, the support throughout. You know, I hope that you guys enjoy my fight. There's more, much more coming. But first and foremost, enjoy the holidays because this is the moment that we can all connect to each other with our families, with our friends. So that's the most important thing is to enjoy life. But when I fight, I'm going to make sure that you guys enjoy it. But I want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for always supporting me. So empower yourself because that's what we have is the choice to empower yourself. So thank you. And on behalf of the UK fans, I thank you very much. Okay, listen, Nanito, it's been an absolute pleasure. It really, really has. I appreciate you giving us a bit of your time. I hope you have a great Christmas and a fantastic new year, and hopefully we'll speak again soon. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. You guys are amazing. Thank you, brother. And uh, again, happy, happy, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year's, you know, and enjoy it to the fullest, man, because we all deserve it. But thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay, now it's time to conclude the Christmas special episode of the Box Hard Podcast for 2016. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Ayaz Sumra has been Ayaz Sumra. Part one was pretty normal. Tom Loeffler had his promoting hat on, talking up the great fights his guys were involved in for next year. Hassan and Dam talked about his recent victory in becoming the WBA world champion. And we ended the show on a lengthy and in-depth interview with the one and only Nonito Donaire. Making this show has been a pleasure. I'd like to thank our three guests that made it extra special. I'd like to thank our loyal listeners for tuning in once again and giving us your ears. This has been our present to you. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Enjoy yourselves. God bless you all. And we'll see you next week.